Welcome to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast for two lifelong friends and super fans analyze and dissect the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. So we are now approaching the end of season three. So Caitlin and I are going to take a little bit of a nap before we get into season four. I hope all of you are okay with that. Um, (laughs) But we will be releasing a special mailbag episode for our $5 patrons in July. And for this episode, you can send us a message about absolutely anything you want. You can talk about One Tree Hill. You can talk about our pop culture thoughts. You can like talk about One Tree Hill spoilers. Literally anything under the sun, send it our way. And you can email us at alwaysothpod at gmail.com. Um, the deadline to send us your emails is June 30th, and then we will get into recording the episode and posting it to our $5 patrons. And if you haven't signed up for our Patreon, the website is patreon.com slash alwaysothpod. And if you're not a $5 patron and you send us an email and we respond to you, you actually will get the episode anyway. So we are going to send that to you so you have that. Yes, and it's free of charge. But if you're, like, too shy and you don't want to send us an email and you want to listen to the full episode, please sign up for our Patreon. There's lots of good stuff on there. We have, like, we have movie podcasts. We have commentaries on drama queens. It's fun. Yeah, there's some fun things that you can definitely binge (laughs) now that we've Mm -hmm. accumulated a bunch of content. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, you can access our Discord server and you can talk to us, like, literally, like, anytime you want to. It's really cool. We have a small yet very vibrant community over there at the moment. Yeah, I really love it. But anyway, now that we've done some housekeeping, let's get into this episode. This week, we are discussing Every Day is a Sunday Evening, the 20th episode of Season 3, which was written by the show's creator, directed by Billy Dixon, and originally aired on the WB on April 19th, 2006. Always and Forever is spoiler-free, but stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion. Somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe. Lucas and Karen go on a road trip to get away from Tree Hill. Now without Lucas on the team, Nathan feels pressure to make it to the playoffs because this is Whitey's last chance at a state championship. In the end, the Ravens win against Oak Lake, along with a creep Damian West, and make it to the playoffs. Peyton visits Jake and Jenny in Savannah, and they reevaluate their relationship. Peyton tells Jake that she wants to stay in Savannah with them, and they start to think of the future. As Peyton is putting Jenny to bed one night, Jenny calls her, Mama. It was adorable. Then, unexpectedly, Peyton asks Jake to marry her. In other news, Brooke finds out that Rachel is dating Cooper and suspects that Rachel is lying about her age. Cooper sees Rachel at the Ravens game in her cheerleading uniform and realizes that she's in high school. Later that night, Rachel goes to see Cooper and tells him that she's 17, but it's legal in the state of North Carolina. Cooper tells her that she needs to be a lot older in order to date him, but they end up having sex again anyway. Deb and Nathan issue a restraining order against Dan. And after the winning game, Dan goes off to Nathan anyway and tells him that he's proud of the choices he's made in life and that he loves him. Bummed it's actually a Sunday night. I'm Caitlin Illinich. I agree. And, and having a case of the Sunday scaries, I am Jeremy Rodriguez. Yes, we had to do it. Like, what we other intro? <laughs> For those of you listeners who don't know, like, Caitlin and I generally record on Sunday night. So this is very appropriate. It totally is. <laughs> uh, so 
we should release this episode on a Sunday night, actually. That might be a cool little twist. <laughs> mm, no one will be expecting it. <laughs> yeah, just just do it out of nowhere, just to be like, oh, hey, everybody, if you're having some Sunday scaries, here's a new episode. We'll comfort you. You know what? I like this. So, patrons at the ten dollar level, you 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 already know the twist. Don't tell anybody. Shh. Because <laughs> <laughs> that episode for them was released whenever. <laughs> yeah, it, it's released earlier. It's not on a sun. It may be on a Sunday. It may not be. Who knows? <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. Anyway, all right. So this episode is titled after the album by the Blackouts, and. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, Caitlin. I did not listen to this album. It's okay. <laughs> neither did I. <laughs> but this ties, I mean, the, the album title ties in directly to Peyton's line, for one thing. And overall, I just feel like looking at like the song titles, it seems like this uh, this album is just about like new beginnings. Uh, in particular, the songs I found were Gotta Go Somewhere Else, Walk Away, Somewhere Else. And tonight we ride. And I feel like this episode is trying to give off like that vibe of like a new beginning, a new day, aka Monday when you start over, essentially. Yeah, I totally agree. Did you mention the song Walk Away? I may have. I don't remember what I just said. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at, I think, all the ones that you listed. Walk Away, One More Time, Feeling Alive. I feel like that really is representative of... Peyton and Jake's relationship like their past relationship like Jake had to leave and now they're getting like one more time they're getting a second chance Mm -hmm. and I think Peyton now that she's seeing Jake and Jenny again she is kind of feeling a bit more alive and like reevaluating her life and what she values and what she really wants in it yes I definitely see that and I think this and I think they're also trying to connect this to Nathan because I feel like for one thing, this episode is very, very weird in how it's structured. It is. I never realized how weird this episode was. <laughs> I, I feel like they're trying to make us think that Nathan is some type of underdog, and that now that Lucas is a like there, we're we're supposed to believe that like oh god they're going to struggle and win in this this game. But I'm like, wasn't Lucas holding you back for for the majority of the season? Yeah, you're right. I didn't even think of it like that. It it just doesn't even seem like a real conflict to me. I guess, like, yeah, he was kind of holding the team back because he was was at one point taking the HCM medication, so that was, like, inhibiting his performance um, because that's what it's supposed to do. But, yeah, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I guess, like, they're basically showing that Lucas is a key player to the team. And, like, without him, they have to kind of, like, figure out how to move forward as a team. I never really I thought of this. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, he's, I mean, he was a, he was a co-captain. And yeah, he's no longer there. But, like, I feel like at this, uh, for this entire season specifically, I never felt like, like, wow, Lucas brings so much value to the Ravens. Like, yeah. I always felt that with Nathan, for sure. Unless we're, unless we're talking about episode 12, when he was essentially responsible for winning the game. But. True. Even then, that's kind of reaching for me. But also, this episode kind of, like, gives you the... Don't you feel like it kind of gives you the impression that Chad Makamari left the show? It does. Like, especially with that <laughs> opening voiceover with Nathan, like, talking about the game and, like, Lucas is gone. And then mm-hmm. you don't see Lucas in the entire episode. They only mention that he 
got in a car with Karen, basically, and they're just driving. There's really no, like, destination. They just have to get away. Will he ever come back? Spoiler <laughs> alert, he does. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but some there's some fun facts I want to say about Chad's absence. Um, so for one thing, the promo for this episode, and I vividly remember this... <laughs> So, so they manipulate some scenes a little bit, and what they do is they show Rachel, you know the scene where Rachel takes off her shirt and uh, is wearing her bra as she's seducing Cooper? Yeah. You know what they do in the promo? They have Rachel say, you know you still want me, and then they show a clip of Chad's face from an earlier episode to make it look like Rachel is seducing Lucas. That is so random. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then they show, like, you know, Rachel Cooper leaning in for the kiss. Again, making it look like Rachel and Lucas are going to hook up in this episode. Why? <laughs> and how do you remember the promos so distinctly? Did you look them up again? <laughs> I, I mean, I do look them up sometimes. I do. This time, I did not. <laughs> wow. But, you have a good memory. Yeah, I, have, I, I mean, I, I can't remember, like, what I ate for breakfast this morning, but I can remember a television <laughs> promo from 2006. So, like, that's a, <laughs> that's a me problem. That is a talent. <laughs> <laughs> Why would they do that, though? Like, what what happened previously that would, like, lead viewers to believe that Lucas and Rachel would be together? I don't understand that. Just to draw up drama, I guess. Okay. Because, like, at the end of the previous episode, like, we know that Rachel's with Cooper. We already know that. So it's not like, that's not like a spoiler. Yeah. And I remember seeing the promo, and I, I remember calling it on the BS, though, because I was like, well, I know that Chad wasn't going to be this episode anyway. Because another fun fact uh, Chad Michael Murray was filming a movie called uh, Home of the Brave, which is why he was written out of this episode as well. Really? Mm hmm. Have you ever seen that movie? No. It's I've not never bad. heard of it. What is it? Like, what genre? It, it's a drama, more so. Um, so it, it stars uh, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, Jessica Biel, a few other actors. I'll just forget the names. Uh, 50 Cent's in it as well. <laughs> That's random. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, um, interesting. But yeah, it's about, a, it's about a bunch of soldiers who come home from the war in Iraq. And they essentially, like, you know, they, they're just dealing with, like, the aftermath, like, PTSD and things like that. Um, like, for, for example, Jessica Biel's in the movie. Like, she loses her hand while in combat. And she's trying to, like, adjust to life, like, you know, as an amputee. So it's, it's actually a pretty interesting movie. Um, if you're watching it for Chad Michael Murray, now know that he dies in the first 20 minutes. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, he plays the, so he plays one of the soldiers. He plays the best friend of one of the main characters, so then he dies in combat. So he doesn't get much screen time, but, you know, the impact of his character is still kind of there. I'm surprised they would let him leave mid-season. I mean, I know it's towards the end of the season, but that's yeah. still like they were they filmed this in advance. So like kind of the middle of their filming, they would let him go to a movie. But maybe because he was killed early on. It was just for one episode. So, I mean, we, we you know, like I said, Chad does come back for episode 21. So yeah. he probably made arrangements saying like, hey, I'm filming this movie in a few months. And they were like, yeah, yeah, sure. Go for it. I mean, it does kind of work with the storyline. It does. But it is a little misleading about mm -hmm. his character. Like, the way they frame it does make it seem like he could be <laughs> off the show, which would be really weird. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, Nathan has to carry the show, I guess. I do like that Nathan had the voiceover. I really do like that. 
Yeah, it's cool. Like, James Laffrey does a really good job of, like, Harry in this episode. Like, I really like it. But I just think some of the the writing behind it is just really weird to make us think, like... I, I'm not trying to, like, downplay Lucas's importance to the show, but I feel like this episode makes us want to believe that Lucas is much more important than he actually is in an ensemble show, you know? You mean because, like, leaving the team? Mm-hmm. That whole aspect, yeah. Yeah, yeah it is kind of strange, because... But, I mean, they're showing, like, the team kind of, like, they have to adjust now that Lucas is gone. And I, I kind of like the story with, like, this is Whitey's last chance to get to the state championship. And Nathan feels that pressure to, like, get to the playoffs. <laughs> I kind of like that aspect of it. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely enjoy it. And it was a basketball-heavy episode, too. Like, we haven't had a ton of that in this season. Yeah, and it, and it was entertaining. Like, I did feel like, like, yeah, I want them to win, but I don't think there was ever a moment where I felt like they they weren't going to win, too. Especially because, like, this game right here is supposed to mirror the game at the end of season one, which Lucas was also responsible for losing, <laughs> let's be honest here. So, oh, you're right. <laughs> huh. So, so it just makes you wonder, like, like it makes you think, like, the show is kind of better off without Lucas. I'm sorry to say, like, oh, this is Jeremy, a shade. stop it! No, I'm, no, I'm not trying to say that, like, with shade because you know how I feel about Lucas. But I mean, just like I feel like that's what the statement is, though. You know? Yeah. Which, like, it makes you. It also kind of makes you wonder too. Or, like, you know, were the writers trying to shade Chad Michael Murray? I don't know. Which that I don't stand for. I could stand for shaded Lucas all I want to. I did not stand for like you know shaded like the actors who are bringing their work forward though. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, honestly, with all the stuff that went be- went on behind the scenes with the show. Right. Who Who really knows? And exactly. so the Damien West thing is yeah. also really weird. And did you realize <laughs> that they gave him the number 33 to mirror Dan? Oh, I did not notice that. Wow, really? I was hoping you didn't notice it so I could actually share a fun fact. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Thank yeah, you I noticed that. I was like, his jersey is 33. And I'm like, that's Dan's number. And you know that conversation that Nathan and Haley had in the apartment that Dan overheard? They were talking about Dan, and I think they mentioned Damien being a jerk and... Just like the typical Dan stuff, like yeah, and, and Nathan actually says, "Oh, he's kind of like a young dad," and yep. I was like, "Where is he getting that like parallel?" And that now that actually makes a little bit more sense. That's kind of like adds a little bit extra symbolism behind it. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, very clever. <laughs> I had never noticed that before this rewatch. So <laughs> okay, but can we talk a little bit about this uh, rivalry though? And the fact that like. Damien is a creep to Haley, like because of the rivalry. Like, I don't really understand. I don't get it. He's just being a jerk to be a jerk, or like he's doing that to get under Nathan's skin, or both, I guess. So, my biggest issue with this, though, is that, like, like I don't, I mean, I was about to say, I don't have a problem with him sexually harassing Haley. I do, obviously. But as far as, like, you know, the storyline is concerned, I think that's like. See that portrayed as real life. So, like, this guy is a villain. It's, like, it's interesting. It's great. But what I have in all caps right here, though, is how does Haley feel? Because Haley has absolutely no agency in this episode whatsoever. And it just seems like every time uh, Damien tries to harass Haley, it's it's to get to Nathan. And it's seen as, like, you know, like, this is hurting Nathan here. 
because you always see Nathan coming to her defense and everything. And then further on, uh, Dan later on, he threatens Damien. He says, like, if you touch my daughter-in-law again, I will kill you or whatever he says. But again, like, Dan's only defended Haley because it's his daughter-in-law. Yeah, and, like, Haley doesn't have much to say other than she, like, gives him looks. But you're right. There's always someone coming to her defense. She doesn't really, like, react, I guess? Yeah, it's like it's like when his, uh, with him, like, sexually harassing Haley, it's like he is moving in on Nathan's property. And I feel like that's very gross to me. It is. And I just wish, I just wish she said more, you know what I mean? I don't know, the whole storyline. Like, yeah, I know that stuff is realistic, but it just kind of felt random to me. Mm-hmm. Like, this wasn't really needed in this episode. But with the parallels with Dan, I guess that's what it's supposed to show more than anything. I guess. It's kind of... I, I even feel like comparing him to Dan is kind of reaching now, because, like... It is. We don't know if Dan is, like, being, like a sexual harasser or anything like that he, he like it just seems like damian west has an ego which yes dan has an ego too but i don't see the parallels between these two other than seeing the number 33 yeah because like we don't really know how like dan treated women when he was in high school like if we're really gonna draw a parallel we would have to be comparing dan as a high schooler and then damian as a high schooler like we don't really know enough about dan at that time period other than he left yeah. his child and yeah, but it's just Karen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. It feels like a storyline that was just thrown in there, and while I like maybe the intention of comparing him to Dan, it feel it falls flat. Oh, absolutely. Um, but Nathan ends up winning the game anyway because he's able to throw a free shots when Damien can't, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, that was exciting. Yes, it was. I'm glad that Whitey's going to get a chance in the playoffs. And of course, Nathan. <laughs> but yeah, Whitey especially. <laughs> mostly Whitey. <laughs> Give Barry Corbin more work. <laughs> <laughs> Had to say it. Had to say it. <laughs> of course. Um, so I want to I want to talk a little bit about the actor who plays uh, Damian West and uh, the, the rabbit hole I went down. So the actor is named uh, Joshua Snyder. So he played a number of small roles in movies and TV. Nothing huge, nothing really notable, in, in my humble opinion. And he hasn't acted since 2017. So I thought, like, okay, like, he just, like, retired from acting. Like, who knows? But then I decided to look into him. He now has, like, a whole fucking brand. And the brand is called uh, Baking with Josh and Ange. And it's him and his wife, and they bake. So, oh my gosh, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> oh, you're go- you know where I'm going? Okay, well, <laughs> well don't throw it. Let me, l- let me continue. <laughs> So okay. they post photos on their Instagram and they post recipes and they even have a YouTube show called uh cook it's called Bacon with Josh and Ange. And uh and his wife, Ange, is uh Angela Kinsey, who played Angela Martin on The Office. It's so funny that you bring this up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because, please. Oh my gosh. So as I was watching this episode, I was like, I know there's something about this guy, and I can't remember what it is, and I just didn't look it up. And it's funny because, like, a few months ago, I had looked up Angela Kinsey and then saw her husband. <laughs> and then, I don't know, I guess I was looking him up and realized that he was a random character on this show. <laughs> so, like, I knew this, but, like, forgot. <laughs> and I'm glad you brought this up. Yes. That is so wild. It is very, very amusing. Um... 
But yeah, like, they're adorable, by the way. Like, I was watching some of their YouTube videos. <laughs> like, they're cute. I never watched any of the actual videos, but I didn't know that they um, baked together, which is kind of random, but cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, good, I mean, good for Joshua Snyder. <laughs> Honestly. And I just feel like this just adds to the narrative, because what I feel like a lot of people like to do is, like, they'll see, like, an actor on a TV show or something, and then they'll look them up and be like, oh, they just never made it, they never became successful. But I'm like, yeah, this guy's successful. <laughs> yeah, and not everyone, like, sticks with acting for their whole life. Yeah, that's fine. Like, you do you, boo. Honestly. I really, really enjoyed, uh, seeing that. So I'm like, you go, boo. You go, Joshua Snyder. That's amazing. <laughs> All right. Are we ready to move on to talk about the whole Rachel Cooper situation? Oh my. (laughs) I guess so. So, one of the scenes that kicks off this storyline, really, is uh, Rachel is washing her car. She's wearing a bikini. And then Mouth walks over, and he's like, you know, that's really not fair. I mean, it's one thing to break my heart, but you have to look like a beer commercial while you're doing it. I'm like, bitch, she was washing her car alone this has nothing to do with you this is like shade to daniel once again (laughs) personally that's what i think oh god it is it's so gross it's like she's this temptress in this episode between this scene and then the at the end when she seduces cooper again Mm -hmm. and it's too much like it's so unnecessary. It's so male gazy, the whole car wash scene. Yeah, it really is. I mean, obviously, Daniel looks great, but it is very male gazy and it's like so unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And she's doing it by herself, too. Like, she's not trying to, like, you know, like be a temptress or anything like that. She's she's literally just washing her fucking car. Yep. And the only reason why she looks like a beer commercial is because that's how the director shot it. <laughs> you know? Yep. But, like, why did she have to be washing the car to begin with? You know, like, there could have been another scene with Mouth and Rachel. Like, where, where Mouth goes to Rachel to just, you know, to talk to her. Well, we had to see uh, Brooke uh, spray her with a hose. I know. That's why. It's necessary to the plot, Caitlin. <laughs> yeah, that was another unnecessary part to this whole thing. <laughs> Although, like... Like, so Brooke's mad at Rachel... For what she did to Mouth, and it's like, I don't know. I guess Rachel did lead Mouth on a little bit with a kiss, but, and I understand Mouth's hurt feelings. I don't know. Sometimes a kiss is just a kiss. In this case, I think it was. It is. I feel like there was some leading on, like, a little bit. It's very subtle, but I feel like it's one of those things where Mouth just kind of has to, like, let it go. And yes. he shouldn't be, like, shaming Rachel, and he should he should just leave Rachel alone at this point. And Brooke doesn't need to get involved. Oh, yeah, exactly. Although, I gotta say, though, like, all, like, the scenes where, like, where Brooke is just basically getting in Rachel's face, where she's like, you know, Rachel, I'd punch you in your fake nose right now, but you just buy another one. <laughs> like, God. It's, it's so, it's so petty and so campy, and that's why I like it. I don't think this should be, this should not happen in real life. I like it in the world of fiction. <laughs> but, yeah. It's it's very high camp. This is like this is like giving me like you know um, memories of Melrose Place, where like where Sydney and is pulling her sister into the pool type of deal, you know. I never saw Melrose Place, but I'm also I know you have. Okay, but, <laughs> <laughs> but 
just know that's the type of shit that you get. Like, you know, just people like fighting in pools and shit. Like, that's what I, th- that's what I got memories of as soon as I saw this like play out. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is campy. But I do like that Brooke and Mouth got to spend quite a bit of time together, which I gotta say, remember when Brooke was really upset with Mouth about watching the time capsule video? I guess we're just gonna completely forget about that. They never resolved that. Cool. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, you're right. They're just hanging out again. <laughs> which great after what they went through in episode 316 i feel like you know if they're gonna try to if anybody's gonna hold grudges at that point like i feel like that's a wake-up call to just let it go yeah but it would have been nice to actually see that said on screen you know yeah you're totally right i think you're supposed to infer that like the school shooting made everyone like reevaluate what's important and they don't want to you know hold like you said grudges so <laughs> But yeah, they should have addressed that because, like, what was the point of revealing that whole storyline if there isn't going to be, like, a resolution? Just another example of a forgotten plot point, honestly. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That seems to happen a little bit more often than I originally thought in the show. It it really, really does. It's bad. Um, but like I said, I like seeing uh, Brooke and Mouth together again. And there actually is a deleted scene in this episode where... Uh, Brooke gets into her car, and in her back seat, Mouth is hiding there. He's hiding from Rachel. And then Brooke gets, like, you know, the, she gets the shit scared out of her. And then Brooke's just like, you're not in your underwear back there, are you? And then Mouth is like, no, why? And she's like, no reason. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and that's cute. That's a cute moment. But, you know, they didn't have time for it, and it's it's understandable. <laughs> yep. Instead, we see them in the cafe. Well, they're walking mm-hmm. along the street, and that's when Brooke sees, ha, Uncle Cooper. Yeah, but then Mouth says, like, oh, that's the guy that Rachel was with. And Brooke's like, no, that is so not fair. Well, if I would have known you would have dated a girl in high school. And then uh, her gears start turning in her head. She's like, wait, I know him. He wouldn't date a girl in high school. Rachel is lying. Oh, boy. And there's also another deleted scene later on where uh, where Brooke actually, like, walks up to Nathan and says, like, oh, I know how Uncle Cooper's in town. Like, you know, is he single? And then Nathan says, like, oh, she's actually dating a, a model from New York. Maybe you know her from Clothes Over Bros or something. So there's, like, extra clarification where, like, Brooke gets confirmation. But again, the scene's unnecessary. You don't really need it. Yeah. Like, I kind of like the idea that, that Brooke just, like, figures it out on her own, you know? Yeah, it, like, connects the dots pretty easily so mm-hmm. and then which leads to the to mouth and brooke like i don't know <laughs> they have that they see uncle cooper in the cafe and that's like a really awkward scene where they're like <laughs> trying why'd you think it was awkward <laughs> <laughs> well mouth is like i can't even remember what mouth said but he is like totally upset and jealous yeah, and I got that. He calls himself Steve. Because Cooper realizes he's the flower guy and, like, Mouth has to pretend he's, like, uh, Mouth isn't his name and he just has to play dumb, basically. Wait, why did Mouth have to give a fake name anyway, though? Know. Cooper wouldn't have known who he was anyway. Unless, like, Rachel was talking about Mouth, but... And, and we know that Rachel was talking about Mouth because uh, she did say to Cooper that, like, oh, these flowers came from somebody very special, but do we know if, like, do we know if she said Mouth's name <laughs> or anything? So it's yeah, just a weird knows? choice for him to, like, go by a fake name. I, I don't I don't know. Like, that that doesn't make sense to me, personally. I think he's just embarrassed and doesn't want to be connected to 
the whole situation. In case um, Rachel does mention mouth for some reason. I guess that's fair. But I feel like Cooper is so sweet, though. Like, he comes in, like, he he just laughs when Brooke says, Hot Uncle Cooper! <laughs> I know. <laughs> he, he just laughs. He's very polite. Like, he knows, like, okay, like, yeah, I'm not going to... <laughs> I'm just going to be friendly to you. Yeah. And then uh, he sits down. He holds out his hand to mouth. He's like, oh, hey, I'm Cooper. Like, he's just so friendly. Like, this is the kind of, like, stranger I want to meet in a coffee shop. <laughs> You know, like, this is like the friend of a friend thing where I'm just like, you know, like, you just seem like a warm, warm person. He does. And, like, it's supposed to show that he's just laughing off what Brooke is saying because he knows Brooke's a high schooler type Mm -hmm. thing. So he's not made to be any kind of creeper. (laughs) But, uh... Brooke, Brooke and, uh, Mouth, they try to do a whole thing where they say, like, deception for breakfast, you know revenge for lunch and pie for breakfast or whatever i, I don't know what they yeah, said yeah <laughs> pie but they try to they try to put a plan together and then mouth essentially has a wake-up call and he says like no 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 i can't go through with this and then brooke's like but i really wanted pie <laughs> but regardless like somehow cooper ends up at the game and you know it, was rachel responsible for this i don't know or did nathan invite him who knows but cooper ends up well, seeing rachel, rachel wouldn't have been responsible for this yeah, did I say that? Yes, you meant Brooke. Oh, I meant, I meant to say Brooke, yeah, so I'm, I am so, I am problematic. I'm mixing <laughs> up our two favorite divas. Yeah, I was kind of <laughs> wondering, too, like, was Brooke responsible for this? Because she sees him in the stands, and there's this whole look that she gives. But, I mean, it it's realistic that Cooper would be there because of Nathan, and it's a big game. Like, are they going to get to the playoffs or not? So, I really wonder, because they don't really answer that. Yeah, but I also want to know, did did Rachel know that Cooper was Nathan's uncle? I know, because, like, she went to Deb's house. And there's definitely pictures in there. And Grant said, like, you know, they were too busy making out to look at pictures or anything like that. But what is, I, I feel like at the bare minimum, I feel like Rachel would know where Nathan lives. Or maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, how would Rachel not know where Nathan lived? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I have no idea. I wonder if there was any scene. Can you recall any scene earlier in the season where she would have been at Nathan's house? I don't know. I mean, no, she wouldn't have been there, but I, I, I don't know. I just feel like, wouldn't you have, like, some type of familiarity where your friends live? But then again, I guess Rachel and Rachel Nathan didn't spend, like, that much time together. Yeah. Like, uh, I guess. I guess not. But it, it just seems like an oversight on her part. Like, she didn't realize this. Yeah, and that she would have to keep that, like, on the down low. Or that there was a possibility that he would come to the game if he's in town. I also want to know how these two met. Like, how do they hook up with each other? Like, do they meet each other at a bar? I think Rachel has a fake ID, and I think that is quite likely (laughs) that they did. They met at a bar, you think? And she came up with, like, this whole story. Like, I'm 26, I'm a model. Yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) I could definitely see her doing that. Yeah, but eh, this whole thing's kind of icky, but... Let's move on to something that's uh, not icky, though. Cheating! Yes! So, yeah, we, we, we get some uh, backgrounds. We find out that Jake got in touch with Peyton after the shooting. And then we also learn that Nikki brought Jenny to Savannah to be with her parents. But her parents had enough of both of them, both Nikki and Jake. So, Nikki's parents petitioned the courts to get custody of Jenny for a year. And that's just enough time for Jake and Nikki to get their lives together. And Jake gets Jenny two days a week. 
And I gotta say, wait, Nikki's parents are in Savannah? Why did Jake go there at the end of season one, then? Like, wasn't he worried that, like, he could run into Nikki's parents? Or wasn't he going to look for... I don't know. At the end of season one, he goes with, like, he goes with a cousin in Savannah. Remember, he essentially kidnaps uh, Jenny and, like, you know, goes off with her. And that was to Savannah. That was to Savannah, yes. Because remember, uh, Brooke uh, lies to Nikki and says they went to Seattle. Yeah, that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense, but they just keep wanting to use Savannah for some reason. They could have chosen any (laughs) city, I guess. It just seems kind of risky for Jake to have went to Savannah, though, if Nikki's parents were also there. Yeah. Like, but granted, like, how would he have known that, you know? But <laughs> Yeah, that's a good question. Because I forgot that they went to Savannah in the begin- at the end of season one. I forgot that it was mm-hmm. Savannah at all. So, well, here they are. <laughs> Let's pretend that <laughs> didn't happen. They end up there, and, and, and they have, like, a, they seem to have, like, a good, like, steady relationship. Like, uh, Nikki and Jake, I mean. So, I, I kind of like seeing that. Yeah, I mean, I like seeing that, too. I didn't ever really liked the whole stealing the baby and or like Nikki tried to steal the baby multiple times then actually did steal the baby so that whole storyline was dramatic (laughs) so it is nice to see like they're getting along that's for sure but it also seems like wow they came a long way from where we left them and good for them (laughs) I guess I guess so I mean, I guess it's helpful that the grandparents actually have the custody so they can figure out how to handle this. It's interesting that Nikki's parents are the ones who chimed in now. And they just, you know, say like, no, we get custody of Jenny now. Yeah, what about Jake's parents? Because the baby was with them the whole time. Like, Jake was living at home with his parents and Jenny. You would think that they would have more of a, I don't know, be more likely that they would get it. I mean, I guess they're in Tree Hill. They don't have, like, you know, much power or anything like that. But I think it also comes to the fact that they're, like, the parents of the mother of the child. And, you know, we just know that, like, courts tend to favor the mother. Yeah. In many situations, regardless of what the what the relationship is or whatever. It's true, but in this case, it does, sure doesn't make any sense. No, I agree. With everything that Nikki has done. Even though both of them have definitely kidnapped their child. I, I feel like both, like... <laughs> We, we talked about that sort of our discussion of season two. Like, you know, I don't think either one of them was necessarily great. Like, yeah, Nikki made some, like, bad decisions as, like, a mother, but it seemed like she was trying to change. Yeah, and Jake really wouldn't let her. So she resorted to stealing the baby. <laughs> Which does not look good on you at all. No. Yeah, they're both other faults, definitely. For sure. But I like all these scenes with uh, Jake and Peyton now. I like that they're. I like their big kiss scene. I like seeing Jake perform, and Jake is obviously singing to Peyton, and they start to make like little like dreams for each other. Like Peyton talks about like living there with them. She can get her GED, and she can go to the Savannah College of Art and Design and just be there with Jake and Jenny. Like this is so fucking wholesome. Yeah, it is wholesome, and it's like we haven't I'm, I'm seen Jake. Some hesitance in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely wholesome. It kind of comes out of left field, though, you know, because it's a good twist in the previous episode that she, instead of seeing Pete, she is seeing Jake, which obviously I like that turn of events way more than if she were to have went to go see Pete. But um, I don't think it's out of left field, it kinda, though. It I feel like it comes out of left field a little bit. Personally, I don't know. I feel like Pete and she's like, she basically says, like, hey, I have these airline miles. I have this ticket. You know what? No, I'm not going to go to Chicago. 
I'm gonna go see this this guy who is really great to me and who I love. I'm gonna go see him. And then reevaluate things and see where things stand. I don't think it's out of left field, personally. I, I think it's natural. And they didn't ever really get closure. So this, you know, them being together again, like, is giving us more of this story. Because they're kind of, you're kind of left hanging at the end of season two. It's just purely sad. <laughs> it is, but things are looking up for them right now, right? For sure. I think um, Peyton really likes the idea of this family. She clearly missed Jake and she missed Jenny, too. And just being there with them, like, reminds her of, like, everything that she's been missing. And she starts to plan, like, what the possibilities could be, like, if she stayed there and went to their college. They're nice dreams. It's nice to see Peyton, like, thinking of the future. Yeah, absolutely. Because, like, the past few episodes have been pretty dark. Yeah, Peyton has really gone through the ringer lately, I think. Definitely. Between her birth mom dying, getting shot in the leg. Yeah, so it's nice to see some happiness. And, like, Jake, he, it's totally understandable, like, he can't go back to Tree Hill. He has to stay there with his daughter because, like, he's sharing custody. So it only makes sense that Peyton would think, like, to stay there and, like, what that future would look like. Yeah, so it's like Peyton, all, Peyton is the one who does have to make the sacrifice right here. Yeah. But it doesn't seem like it's a lot for her to sacrifice. Like, the, like, the way it's positioned in this episode, it seems like, you know, like, yeah, I want to be here. I want to be with you. I love you. So it, it's like, and Jake is not pressuring her at all. As a matter of fact, Jake is saying, no, you you need to live your life. You would You would miss it out there. Yeah, definitely Jake is more hesitant while you know he loves her. He definitely, he, like, he has a different, he has different things to worry about, you know? He has a daughter, so he's, mm-hmm. like, really focused on just, like, staying on a straight and narrow path and taking care of his daughter, so. And that makes sense, and I can't, yeah. you know, who oh, can fault sure. him for that? Oh, for sure. <laughs> you know, like, oh, like, oh my god, he's prioritizing his daughter except for his high school girlfriends, like, how dare he? <laughs> what an asshole, you know? <laughs> Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> but I guess, do you want to get into some, like, some dark shit and talk about the restraining order against Dan? Yeah, let's just go from dark to light to dark. <laughs> <laughs> this episode's all over the place, what can we say? <laughs> it truly is. So, like, Dan just shows up at the house, and he's not supposed to be at the house. And Cooper is there, and then Nathan walks in, and he's like, you have to leave. And he does leave. But then Nathan says to Deb, like, it's just getting worse. So, like, off screen, they end up going to get a restraining order. And then we find that out on screen when, I guess, the police officer comes up to Dan and says he has to stay, like, 100 feet away from Nathan and Deb. Yeah, it's actually, it's Deb and Nathan who say that. It was it? Uh, okay. When- yeah, they, they give him their restraining order, and then the cops, like, actually pull Dan back, and they say, you're gonna have to come with us, you can't be here, bye. <laughs> okay, yeah, I thought a cop was there. But yeah, Dan is just, uh, he's hardcore gaslighted, for one thing. He tells Deb, like, you know, I've been having such a rough time since Keith died. Which, yes, it can be true. Of course. Because I-, I feel like I would have a hard time after murdering somebody as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh... But... 
but it just seems like, you know, after, uh, it's so much gaslighted. I, and I want to know, like, and I don't think this is ever said or anything like that. Does this house actually belong to Dan? Because we know from season one that it was uh, Deb's family that got Dan his job and everything. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's Deb's house. Like, maybe it legally belongs to Dan, like, during a divorce or whatever. But I don't think this is Dan's house. Oh, but uh, speaking of this one particular line, though, that Dan says, he says, this is my house. I worked hard to build it. And if I want, I'll burn the damn thing down and everything in it. And uh, to go back to what I was talking about, the very manipulative promo, what they also do in this promo is they show Dan saying that, saying that very line. And then they flash to the dealership being on fire (laughs) at the beginning of season three. (laughs) You serious? They do. And then they also show, like, you know the scene where, like, Nathan's in the bathtub and he, like, puts himself underwater? Yep. They show that part, too, to make it look like he's keeping, he's he's trying to keep himself safe from the fire. So weird. So weird. (laughs) I mean, for one thing, the the way, like, the way James acts in that scene is really weird, though, because, like, the, the way he's, like, you know, going down into the water, it looks like he's getting pushed down. It looks like he's struggling. Like... I think it's supposed, like, I feel like the whole idea was for him to be sexy because, you know, he's having that conversation with Haley, like, yeah. like yeah, I told you I was sexy, Haley. Uh, don't lie. <laughs> that was so cute. <laughs> but then when she gets under the water, when he gets under the water, though, it's just like, it looks like he's getting pushed down. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that's supposed to show. That's when it cuts to uh, Rachel, like, you know, putting the sponge in the bucket. So that was like a transition, but <laughs> it's... Oh my goodness. Th- that whole... This episode shot very poorly. <laughs> and the more I think about it, the more I'm like, hmm, maybe I want to lower my score even further. Oh boy, I'm interested. But yeah, I-, I almost wonder if they put all these, like, you know, these manipulative shots in the promo because they didn't think the episode was that good and they felt like they needed people to watch it. Yeah, I wonder because, like, it's so... The th- it sounds like the promo is so disjointed. And there's mm-hmm. content in there that wasn't even in the actual episode. Like, the fire. <laughs> it completely misleads you entirely. And One Tree Hill is no stranger to this at all. Like, in the later seasons, I'm thinking of one in season five that's, like, really egregious. But the, the show definitely does this for a few years here. That's a shame. And I, you know, I don't really have memories of the promos. So, even, like, I've seen the majority of the series live too because i started watching in season three so like i saw a good majority <laughs> i don't really remember the promos i just have a weird memory and i i can't help it <laughs> but moving on now at the end of the episode dan walks up to nathan even though he's not supposed to because he doesn't understand fucking boundaries or anything like that and i gotta say like him watching or listening to the game in the in the car that was a little sad because i feel like dan is finally realizing now in this episode that he doesn't have any power anymore like he's losing everything he doesn't he can't leverage anything he can't hold anything over somebody's head anymore especially now with this restraining order like what else can like what can he do now you know can can you imagine a mayor of a town who has a restraining order against him yeah. Oh, this that, would be a PR nightmare. Yeah, that would be headline news. So, wow. This whole scene is really emotional. 
because like you do see Dan listening to the game and he hears that they win because he can't actually physically be in the game or in the in the gym. I agree. Extremely emotional seeing his like facial expressions like Paul Johansson does a really good job of that and you like totally see what Dan is feeling. And then that scene at the very end when Nathan and Haley are walking out. I'm going to read the quote. Please do. It, um, wow. It really gets you because like Paul Johansson brought it. Like I think to me, this is like one of, one of, if not the strongest scene of the whole episode. He says, tonight I walked into that gym, the mayor of Tree Hill, but I finished the night a father on the outside looking in and a son who deserves better. I want to tell you how proud of you I am. And this has nothing to do with basketball. I'm proud of you for the choices you've made in your life. Proud of you for the man you've become. I love you. Oh, man. That coming from Dan? Right. Exactly. Woo, that really and got it, me. <laughs> Honestly. And he's accessing his own emotions, too. It's not like... He doesn't have a manipulative streak in him because, like, like what is he going to get out of manipulation now? There's nothing he can do. There's nothing he can do to control Nathan or Deb or Haley or anybody. This is all he has now, so he's he just has to be real at this point. Yep. And, like, the reality of what he's done, you know, in 316, I think that's settling in. Because, you know, I can only imagine doing something like that is going to, like, you know he's feeling guilt for that. You know he's, like, reevaluating his life and seeing what's important. And, like, Dan has regrets, and Dan has always had regrets, We've seen, there have been numerous occasions where Dan is on the outside looking in. Like, think about earlier in the season when he's looking in at the cafe and then Keith comes out. Because Dan was looking in at Keith, Karen, and and Lucas. And Keith comes out to the car and, I can't remember, what what were his words? Do you remember that scene? Do you know what I'm talking about? That's, yes, I do know what you're talking about. It's in uh, episode 12 of the season. He's basically like saying, uh, yeah, go home, Danny. This isn't your life. This is your life. Yeah, yeah I think yep, that, it that just came line. to me. <laughs> <laughs> so Dan's a very complicated guy. And I mm. like when we get to see the layers like shed and we actually get to see the emotion because it's super rare. when We actually see his real emotions and the regrets that he is, even though he's not saying it in this moment, he he's indirectly saying it because he's he's admitting that he's on the outside looking in. Agreed. Yeah. Like you said, he's very, very complex, and it just shows that, like, I feel like, you know, nobody is 100% good or 100% evil, and Dan, like, you know, he's been a piece of shit up until this point, and arguably he still kind of is, but his, his emotions are complicated, and now that he can't, like, manipulate anybody anymore, like, things are changing. Yeah, I'm interested to talk about Dan as we move on deeper into the episodes, because... He, he's got emotions and I just want to see them. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) let's see them. I love these moments because it gives, like, it makes him more complex and makes him more human. He's not a straight villain. Like, yes, what he did to Keith, obviously, like he is a villain, but there's like deeper layers to that, too. Exactly. All right. Would you like to move into this, Coda? This episode is short. (laughs) 
even when I was taking my regular notes, like most episodes, I take like double the notes than I that I took for this this one. Like this is probably our shortest episode in a long time. Yeah. But like, there's not much to this episode. There really isn't. There isn't. <laughs> But regardless, I guess we'll just get into this coda. Um, So the song is Look After You by The Fray. And the way this uh, coda is structured is Nathan has a voiceover over it. So the way we are going to describe this coda is Caitlin will be playing the part of Nathan Scott's and I'll be playing all the exposition parts. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do this. Let's do this. All right. So we're kicking off right in the gym exterior, and it's right after Dan says, I love you to Nathan. Every once in a while, people step up. They rise above themselves. Dan walks away. We're now at Deb's place, Cooper's bedroom. Sometimes they surprise you. Rachel and Cooper have like a confrontation where Ray- where Cooper is like, how old are you? Please don't tell me you're a freshman. And then Rachel's like, oh, I'm 17, but it's okay. In North Carolina, we only have to be 16 to be together. And then Cooper's like, no, in order to be with me, you got to be a hell of a lot older than that. And then Rachel takes off her top and she's like, you know, you still want me, Cooper. You know it. I know it. And then she pulls him in. They kiss and they have sex on the bed. Sometimes they fall short. Jake's house. Interior. Life is funny sometimes. It can push pretty hard. But if you look close enough, you find hope. Jenny is in the crib and then calls Peyton, Mama. In the words of children. Jake's house, exterior. We see Jake is on the porch playing his guitar. In the bars of a song. Peyton joins him, sits down on the porch. Jake asks, what's wrong, Peyton? And in the eyes of someone you love. We see flashes of Haley, Nathan, Mouth, Rachel, and Brooke. And if you're lucky, I mean... If you're the luckiest person on this entire planet. Flashback to Jake and Peyton on the porch. The person you love decides to love you back. Peyton says, do you want to get married? Oh, man. This is some shit here. (laughs) Woo, wasn't expecting that. You know, like, you're definitely seeing their, their relationship, like, come back together. But you don't see, like, I don't see this proposal coming, do you? Like, can you think back to when you originally saw this? It's so surprising that she says that. It's a good cliffhanger. You know what? I'm remembering this. Okay, so I was talking about the, the manipulative promos. This scene actually is in the promo. Do you want to get married? Yeah. Really? Yes. So they spoiled something that actually did happen in the episode. That's dumb. Why would they spoil that? Don't spoil the cliffhanger. That makes no sense. So, Whatever. I guess, like, again, like, I feel like the promos are, like, really wanted people to watch this episode. <laughs> yeah, because it is does kind of suck, so. <laughs> but anyway, what else do you want to talk about in this coda? Anything else? Any lingering thoughts? Just that, like, this was the other example of Rachel being a temptress. Like, that's the way the writers are writing mm-hmm. her. I know I mentioned that before, but that whole scene with Cooper, it's, it's like it was so easy to seduce him. You know? Yup. And he's like, you're so hesitant. He's like, oh, no. And he gives into it. Between everything he's saying and every every other way he's acting and the fact that, you know, leading up to this, he thought she was 26. I mean, he thought she was 26. That's really deceiving. Like, you think you're doing the right thing. And Mm -hmm. 
But I will say he did still have sex with her here, even though knowing. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I'm not excusing that at all. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm just saying, like, originally he thought she was 26. So, like, now he knows the truth. Ugh. I can't believe he did it in the end. Yeah, I'm not, not condoning it at all. I'm condoning it originally when he thought she was a different age. Like, what are you supposed to do? You're going to take someone's word for it. Mm-hmm. But Rachel looks like the bad guy here because she's showing up with her evil titties. And the camera zooms in on her evil titties, too. So, again, very, very male gazy, as you were saying earlier. Yep. <laughs> like, why did the camera have to linger on her breasts and then, sh- and then like, pan up her body like that? That, that shot's weird. Like, sh- I mean, showing her in her underwear, like, you know, s- to seduce him, fine. But, like, the fact that they literally zoom in on her boobs. Yeah. I take issue with this whole thing. <laughs> so that was gross but let's talk about our favorite things <laughs> what was your favorite quote so mine was dan's quote to nathan um for all the reasons that i already stated basically like dan is so complex and i i just really love the scene i thought it was like one of the strongest if not the strongest scene of the whole episode mm. what about you my favorite quote is what Whitey says to the team. So this comes right after the the coach is talking to the Oak Lake crew saying like, hey, you got to win, blah, blah, blah. But then Whitey huddles around the team and then tells the Ravens this. Now you listen to me. When you step out on that floor, take it all in because someday you're going to look back on it and want it all again. When you do, make sure it's for the right reasons. Win or lose, leave it all on the floor. Now, Raven's on three. Whitey always has a good quote. Yeah, it, it was just very nice. Oh, and I just thought about this as we were talking about this, but um, Oak Lake, the, the team that Damian West plays on and the team that they're playing against in this episode, we should note that this was the school that Zeb originally wanted Nathan to go to that was alluded to in episode 10 of this season. Oh, really? Yeah, there's actually, a, yeah, there's actually, like, a throwaway line. Well, that's not even a throwaway line. Like, remember, like, Dan didn't want Nathan to go to the school, and... Yep, yep, I do remember. I just yeah. didn't remember the name Oak Lake. Yep, this is the school. Okay. So I guess that adds to the rivalry aspect of it, too. Was like, what could have been, I guess. <laughs> it almost makes you wonder, like, maybe Nathan could have been Damian West, and he could have been, like, a piece of shit. Yeah, just like Dan. Yeah, like, Dan, like, and in, in, in which case, I feel like that is a little bit more interesting if that's what they were trying to go for, but I still don't think it works. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing doesn't work. <laughs> I think we've established that. <laughs> yeah, regardless. Okay, what was your favorite musical moments? So I liked the coda, Look After You by The Fray. I thought it was a really emotional song that really fit the moment. Because there's just so many different things going on, like the Peyton and Jake stuff, like ending with that song with the with Peyton asking, will you let's get married, basically. <laughs> it did give me all the feels. And then my honorable mention, I liked The Adventure by Angels and Airwaves, which was at the very beginning of the episode. I liked that paired with the game and Nathan's voiceover. Thought that was a good energy to that song. Hmm. I feel you. I feel you. What about you? My favorite musical moment is another Peyton and Jake moment. It's the song Close Your Eyes by Turn. I knew that was going to be your favorite. And- <laughs> knew it. How did you know? Because I knew. <laughs> it's a good song. So, that would be another honorable mention of mine, too. 
And it's just, I don't know, it's just so, so romantic. Like, I, you know, that, so this is the scene where Jake is talking to Betsy Payton about all the reasons why they essentially can't be together. And then that's when Payton does a little callback to the line. You know, every song ends. Does that, does that mean there's any reason not to enjoy the music? And then Payton closes the door. And then she hesitates and then opens the door again. And then Jake is standing there. And then they kiss. Like, it's so, so romantic. And these two have such fiery chemistry. Yeah, they do. I love, the, I just love these two. Oh, Jayton. Like, it's, it's a great moment. My heart. And an honorable mention to Someday by Brian Greenberg. Okay, so we all like different songs. Interesting. <laughs> I don't think that's ever happened, really. No, not that many different, like, a different <laughs> favorite and then a different honorable mention look at us we're changing things up kind of so what do you give this episode overall uh you why don't you go first (laughs) i I don't know (laughs) so i give it three out of five marriage proposals um it's yeah this episode is lackluster but i do like the peyton and jake stuff so i can't really give it anything lower than a three yeah yeah yeah, I feel like it would be unfair if I did that. But it is, like, everything else about it is... And then, obviously, I love the, the scene with Dan and Nathan at the end. To me, that was a highlight. Yeah, there are some good moments. Okay, so, I mean, I had I had three written down. I was thinking, yeah, as we talked about it, I thought about dropping it down to two. But all the moments you just said is going to make me keep it. I'm going to give it three out of five pies with hot Uncle Cooper. <laughs> But if I wanted to be dirty, I'd say three out of five cream pies of the hot Uncle Cooper. <laughs> oh my god. I may cut that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jeremy. <laughs> I, I haven't I haven't objectified hot Uncle Cooper in this episode yet, so I felt like that was the appropriate yeah, that time. <laughs> <laughs> that does the trick. <laughs> this this episode's a mess though, and um, I don't, and from what I remember, I don't think the next episode is much better. Oh, I like the next episode. I know why you like the next episode. I like the next episode. <laughs> I know why. Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, stay tuned, listeners. Yep. <laughs> Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AlwaysOTHpod. You can also email us at AlwaysOTHpod at gmail.com. I'm Jeremy Rodriguez, and you can find me on Twitter at RodriguezJeremy. And I'm Caitlin Illinich, and you can find me on Twitter at MissIReads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans new and old find us. You can also support us via Patreon, where for as low as $2 a month, you can gain access to bonus content, our private Discord server where you can chat with us and other listeners, and early episode releases. Visit patreon.com slash alwaysothpod for more information. Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll We'll be be seeing seeing ya. Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is your last reminder to turn off the podcast if you do not want spoilers. Ugh. This episode's very romantic for Jake and Peyton.
And then next episode, it all ends. <laughs> it's very short That's Brian Greenberg's last episode. Ever. I know. Why? It's sad. You know, it is sad that we never get to see Jake again. And I know Peyton is only in it for up to season six, but it would have been nice to get like a follow up a little bit. He was such a big character in the first two seasons. Like, I want to know, like, did he ever get custody of Jenny? Like, come on. Put, how old would Jenny be now? If we're going in real time, not One Tree Hill time, because fuck that. <laughs> I don't even know. Oh, I know that the actress who played Jenny was at conventions and like okay. Hillary 2006, like, she saw be- her and everything. I, mean, okay, she- I feel like Hillary, Hillary was- posted about that, so... Okay. I was okay. She'll, she'll be a little bit. She'll be a little bit old. I was about to say, like, bring her to one Tree Hill reboot. Like, let her come to Tree Hill High, but she's too old for high school. Yeah. <laughs> At this point. Well, then again, time has no meaning in Tree Hill, so do whatever the fuck you want to. I mean, a twenty-year-old can play a high schooler. I know a twenty-year-old can play a high schooler, but I'm saying Jenny herself would be too old because yes, yes. she would not be in high school. But True. like I said, time has no meaning in Tree Hill. So do whatever you want. We can have. <laughs> We could have we could have the reboot take place like ten years after the show ended, despite the fact that well, the show has ended ten years ago at this point. But I don't think we're gonna get a reboot anytime soon. <laughs> I don't think we would get a reboot ever. Personally. One can dream. Yeah. It's interesting to talk about like what could be, that's for sure. And uh, coming up soon, we also see Brucus breaking up. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this in the spoiler segment is because in the next episode in particular, Brooke talks about how she's not as reliant on Lucas anymore. And if we actually do pay attention, like, you know, Brooke is not, she's not broken up over the fact that Lucas isn't there. And even in the last episode, like, she and Lucas don't have any scenes together at all. So... Kind of the fact that, like, there isn't a focus on the relationship now for these past few episodes is kind of showing the fact that they the relationship isn't as um, a big part of their lives as it used to be. Yeah, that's true. There's definitely, like, less emphasis on Brucus. Which, it's nice to see that, that Brooke feels, like, independent of someone else. I like that. Yeah. Oh, no, it's beautiful. But, you know, you can definitely tell. They're doing that on purpose, yeah, for what's mm-hmm. about to come. In the finale. Oh boy, we're almost there. <laughs> I know. It's gonna be wild. We're about to go over the hills and far away from this season. Yep. Over the hills and far away is the title of the next episode, season three, episode 21, which we all discuss next time. And Caitlin, you're about to read the description from the One Tree Hill DVD box sets. And I gotta say, this first sentence is very amusing to me. <laughs> and... Caitlin's about to say it, but I'm just saying, like, somebody had some fun with creative writing here. They're like, oh, you know what? I gotta write this really amazing simile, and it's gonna be great. (laughs) So, go ahead, Caitlin, read the description for us. I thought it was funny, too. (laughs) (laughs) So it says, Haley discovers that asking Brooke to design a simple, elegant wedding dress is like asking a Tasmanian devil to chill. Peyton and Lucas return to Tree Hill, wondering about their futures. Those are just two drastically different sentences right there, but cool. You go, One Tree Hill DVD box set writer person. Sometimes these descriptions are awkward, and this is one of them. (laughs) (laughs) But it's okay. (laughs) Exactly. But anyway, we'll we'll be be seeing seeing (laughs) you. What was that? 
Yeah. That was the worst that we've ever done. It's, but you know what? It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs>